We hope you're enjoying GasCast this season. Um, we've put a lot of efforts into improving both the quality and the quantity of the pod in general. Um, if you do enjoy listening, we'd be really grateful if you could nominate us for the Football Blogging Awards. Um, they're an annual awards uh, to all content across all platforms uh, for both podcasts, blogs, um, basically the sort of stuff that we've been trying to do. Um, and we're, we're going to try and get ourselves a nomination in the podcasting category. Uh, and if you could help us do that, we'd be really grateful. All you have to do is go to www.footballbloggingawards.co.uk. We've put a link in our bio on Twitter. Um, follow the link and type in GasCast into the category for Best Podcast. Uh, you don't need to enter in, into any of the other fields uh, if you don't want to. Um, and you don't need to enter an email or any personal information so you won't get any spam from uh, any third parties. Um, and we'd be really grateful. Thanks, guys. Um, enjoy the pod. Hello and welcome to GasCast, the Bristol Rovers podcast by fans for fans. I'm your host Max Alderson and as always I'm joined by Harley Thorne and Tom Metcalf. Hi guys. Up the gas. Hey up. We're all in a good mood are we? Yeah absolutely yeah. It's a bit weird actually. It is isn't it? We were off the back of three league wins on the bounce which is something we haven't been able to say for, I actually don't know when, um, I didn't look it up but a long time because I, I, I literally can't think the last time we won three on the bounce and it's lifted us hugely from away from danger. Um, the last two games, two terrific away wins against relegation rivals in Scunthorpe and Gillingham. Harley, couldn't have asked for a better outcome, really, could we? Uh, not just in the performances, but the results as well. No, I mean, you know, everyone knows that I'm an incredibly pessimistic person about Rovers this season. Um, I'll blame that on who I like. But, you know, um, under Graham, I was not expecting us to pull ourselves into safety, let alone go on the kind of form that we are in now, where I'm actually going to games and thinking that we will win, which is frankly bizarre. So, yeah. Good times. Yeah, I haven't felt that in a while, so it's uh, it's a good feeling. Tom, mm. looking forward to next week now, I, I bet. Um, what do you think about the performances in these two games? Yeah, good. Um, I think especially the Gillingham one was a bit of a battle, really, and it was a, an absolute screamer from Johnson Clark Harris that kind of separated the teams, but both of them were very workmanlike, very uh, kind of digging in and getting those results, both one nilers against teams that we traditionally don't beat especially away so um yeah and obviously both of them down around us and we jumped above Gillingham by beating them so massive massive wins really yeah and we spoke uh last time I think it was last time when Nathan was on the podcast about um the big questions about the mentality of the squad to win these kind of six pointers. Um, we we just got off the back of that terrific win at South End, and then played Shrewsbury at home in a in a in a six pointer clash, which was we all thought very winnable, and we just didn't turn up. And we were starting to think, and we we discussed certainly at length, Harley, that that we weren't capable of winning these crucial six pointer games, and that was going to be our undoing. But do you think we've overturned that now? I think Graham's instilled, as I've said before, I'm very surprised, but he's instilled a lot of confidence and a lot of mental strength in the team. It's not hugely surprising that he goes at games with a bit more of a defensive kind of foundation, but it seems that we can build on that and that's what's happening at the moment. Um, 
the Blackpool game in particular is, is, you know, that kind of result is a bit of a, a random one, to say the least. But the away games, you cannot argue with the away form since he's taken over. Um, still slightly concerned that we might go back to the home issues and Blackpool might have just been a bit of a random one. But no, he's definitely, they're playing for him at the moment. And you can see that that defensive, simpler formation is just helping us kind of kick on, especially with a striker that puts it in the net. That does certainly help. And uh, we'll go on to discuss the talisman that is Johnson Clark Harris in a lot more detail later in the pod. But um, I just want to, touch on what you said there about the home form um is this is this uh this this run we're going on away from home and particularly the last home game where we put four past Blackpool are we starting to see that maybe we're we're getting a little bit better at home or this Saturday against Charlton is that still going to be a tough game where we may come undone by a, a, a higher quality side at the Memorial Stadium yeah I feel like I think it might be a similar quite a similar game to the Sunderland game where we played well, but quality told and Sunderland managed to beat us. I think Charlton are in a sim, well, Charlton are on flames at the minute. They're on great form and they're a shoe in for the, for the playoffs. So I'm expecting a really, really difficult game. But going back to what Harley was saying about the Blackpool game, that was the first game when we changed to the diamond with Ed Upson in front of the defence and then um, Ollie Clark and Circum left and right. And I think since then, I think that's when we started to kind of turn it around. I think that shape really, really suits us. And it, I think it does set us up a little bit more defensively, definitely with less width, but it has massively helped us. And I think if, if well, if it's up to me, I'd stick with it till the end of the season. But um, Graham, again, surprised me uh, with his kind of tactical astuteness by being able to switch formations. I thought he'd just be a plain four four two man. And then that was it, just out to the wings, especially with Rodman um, when he was on great form. But Rodman seems, well, with the change of uh, shape, Rodman seems to have just dropped out of it completely. Yeah, you can definitely feel aggrieved by that. Were you going to say something there, Holly? I've got a question for you, Max. Okay. So with this new formation, this kind of diamond, um, it's obviously working, but I was going to say in particular, I think it's working because we haven't got any wingers anyway, so it suits us. Yeah. But is it... I mean, directly question to you, do you think that that will wear off? I mean, do you think teams will be aware that we're playing in this way and will learn to deal with us? Yeah, maybe. I I think you do have to be cautious um, when you've got this one system that works for you, that uh, the opposition know how you're going to play. They can set up then to combat it because they know you're a one-trick pony. I mean, you look at a very extreme example, but uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, they're an impossible team to play against because you press them and they hit you on the counter. You sit deep and they break you down well. They've got multiple shapes which they can change mid-formation. And I think maybe Daryl Clark tried to do that. We did mm-hmm. see him, I don't know, I can't recall the game, but it was we'd lost away, of, away from home. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Burton maybe. And he was talking about how oh, I had to change formation three times within the game with the same players on the pitch. And it's a bit like... Well, if the players don't know where they're playing, you know, is it going to really work? Um, but yeah, going back to what you were saying, the diamond, yeah, it's working for us. We do have to be cautious and have a plan B if teams come to counteract it. But at the same time, Luton have been top of the legal season and they've played a diamond and not changed it. It's just a case of how effective is it and how much can it combat anything that comes at it. And I guess we're going to find that out in the coming weeks against some tough, tougher opposition. Nice. 
You happy with that? Sorry for throwing you a <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. Sorry. That's okay. I hope I uh, answered it okay. Um, Absolutely. Um, thank you. Um, I've lost where I am now. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? We were talking about whether this would affect the home form. Um, okay, I think you pretty much answered that, Tom. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, so my next question is, can we keep this going, this this form, particularly away from home? We've got lots of what I would say, wouldn't have called winnable in the past, but now I'm going to call them winnable away games. Plymouth away next week is a massive, massive away game for and obvious reasons. And a great yeah. away day, yeah. So it's it's hopefully going to be a good one. It's sold out. And then after that, we've got Doncaster away, who are uh, playoffs, but they're not red hot in form. They're just sort of a bit inconsistent these past few weeks. Which is also a game in hand, so it's a bit of a free hit. It is, yeah. So if we lose it, it's not the end of the world. And then we've got Coventry away, which is um, going to be a big game, especially for Johnson, Clark Harris and Abu Agogo. Um, they're a bit of uncertainty about their future. So there's three games there which are really quite winnable, um, and certainly for us now. Harley, do you think we have to, can we, to, to quote Paul Buckle, should we lower our expectations or can we, <clears throat> should we be optimistic about these games? Yeah, I think we should be optimistic. I think on your previous question about the home form improving, I think in general, the whole our form has improved mainly from confidence, right? I mean, we were in a massive lull for quite some time and the players were playing with no confidence. Even when we were getting, you know, a point here and there, the confidence wasn't really building up. So now I think, like the fan base, the players will be more confident. They'll go to these away games and they'll try and kind of get on the front foot. For, and like I said before, we've got this foundation now, this defensive foundation that's it's not uber defensive, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly a good platform to kind of build on. And I think, I think, yeah, we'll we'll give any of those teams a run for their money. Tom, do you have anything to answer about the same? Sort yeah, of on the defensive side, actually, it just came to me then that we've had three clean sheets on the bounce in the league. Um, Locks and Craig have been phenomenal for short centre backs. Like I deem them short. I mean, they How were. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> But like against Gillingham, uh, they came up against Tom Eaves and kept him super quiet. Um, I can't remember who we played. Uh, Scunthorpe. Yeah, Scunthorpe again, aerial bombardment, and they stood up to it. They've been fantastic in the air. And yeah, Gananule, the uh, Blackpool striker, he was a handful as well. Yep. So I think both of them dealt well there. When you consider they're both under six foot, uh, they, they're very good in the air. And I, I would, I'm not sure why that is. I think maybe it's their positioning. Harley, have you got... Any idea as to why they sort of work as a duo? <laughs> to be honest, I really don't. I think if you look back to Lockyer's best time at Rovers, it was with McChrystal next to him. Mm. And I think Tony Craig's left-footed as well, right? So I think... They're both left-footed, I yeah. think. Yeah. Are they both left-footed? No, Locks is right-footed. Is he? Oh, yeah, he is, of course. It, yeah, so yeah, I think sorry. that balance does help. He plays better next to a left-footer. And I think he plays better next to someone that's experienced as well, which Tony Craig definitely is. Tony Craig is a lot shorter than you'd expect as well, but he's not afraid to put a challenge in. So He's quite a lot angrier than you'd expect as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we did the spotlight on Lockyer what, last episode. Yeah, we did. And we said he was Captain Fantastic, and he's not put a foot wrong since. So, Yeah, he's really stepped up in form. And uh, Tony Craig, like you said, Tony Craig is 34 next month. 34 years old, which is... He's looking good for his age, to be He fair. does look good for his age, yeah. and he's playing well for his age. He doesn't look mm. slow he may be slow but he doesn't look slow because his positioning is very very good i think and um obviously we've got we spoke last time about Lockyer. will he stay will he go um another topic that uh sort of came up 
because of the events of last night, Alfie Kilgore made his debut yeah. after being recalled from Maidenhead where he was playing a stormer every week. So could we maybe see uh, Kilgore be coming into the team next season in place of either Lockyer or Craig? Well, we might see him uh, for the Plymouth game because Locks is being called up. And yes, that's I right. believe for the Doncaster game as well. So it might be that... Really? Could, yeah, so you might get a chance there. That reignites my excitement. <laughs> what, that a 20-year-old centre-back is going to be playing? <laughs> I absolutely love a youth player coming through, but more so Alfie Kilgore, because I, I can't remember what it was. I think I watched a video at the start of this season on the Rovers YouTube channel about how he was a gas-head and he had, he spoke with loads of passion about the club and he was clearly like a proper fan that's just kind of come through the ranks and... I would absolutely love to see him put his th- foot through the Plymouth striker. <laughs> absolutely. And get himself sent off that. in 10 minutes. Yeah, and <laughs> oh my God, if he puts it in the net, I'm on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, he's, he's a massively, massively exciting prospect. And what's good is that Coughlin rates him as well. Um, he said he reminds of him of himself, but uh, not as good looking. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he does rate him and it'd be good to see him get some minutes because like you say, he's a gas head. He's been playing really well. Maidenhead fans have been talking talking him up massively and saying he's going to be a star. Um, I'm not sure how if they're wearing uh, rose-tinted goggles a bit, but they were saying he's going to play in the Premiership. Well, I've not heard such exciting rave reviews about a player we've had out on loan in some time. I remember, I think I said when... When um, Mensa and Manesa went on loan to Oldershot, I remember saying, like, well, when they go on loan to non-league, we never seem to see them again. Yeah. But this one, since the week he played there, he's been all over Twitter. They absolutely love him. And I think for a centre-back as well, if you stand out like that and you're actually scoring goals, then you must have something. And I was also going to say, I believe it's a bit weird because I think he's been around for forever. I can always remember him being around. Yeah, he's only 20. He did his cruciate ligament last season, which was a bit of an unfortunate um, timing because I think he was sort of breaking into the first team. Yeah. but He was on the bench a lot. I'm pretty sure all of his strength this season and his improvement has come from getting rid of that awful haircut he used to have. (laughs) (laughs) He used to have his hair down to his shoulders and it did not suit him, but now he's looking pretty rugged. So yeah, proper centre-back. He's got this really blonde beard, which you can't see unless you're really close up to him do you know what i mean like one of the you've got one harder you've got the same sort of like uh, no that's just no face that's, just <laughs> that's, that's different that's just <laughs> yeah. don't insult him like that it's a very very blonde beard um so he, i think if he dyes that and looks a bit more menacing he could uh strike fear into the hearts of many league one strikers <laughs> fingers crossed um uh, the only other thing i want to touch on about the recent games is our now point our points points total uh is now 43 um what are you guys looking at for a safe points total? There's 10 games to go. We're on 43. Usually it's around 51, 52 that's good enough. Um, but there's so many teams down there and it's so tight. What would what would, what do we need to... I know we need to aim for something higher than what it's going to be. But what do you think it's going to be and where do we need to be? How many points to finish sixth? No, that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being too ambitious there. Just... I mean, I think you guys know more about the kind of points total we need at the end of the season, so I'll let you run with this. I'm, I'm going pessimistic and going with 54. That's bearing in mind we do have a much better goal difference than the teams around us. I think it's going to be really tight because, like like we saw on Saturday, every team around us won. Uh, Wimbledon have been picking up points. They were dead and buried a few weeks ago, and now they're kind of... Well, ish getting back into they're, it they're four points or three points off safety so yeah they're, and they're we're considering they were like 10 points off we're only three points off safety even with what three win three league wins on the bounce we're still only three points clear 
which is scary. But it we're two points scary. off the top half. That's even yeah, that, more with a game crazy. In hand. It's going to be yeah. a pretty exciting relegation battle. Cause like, it's exciting if you're yeah. not in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, for oh, a yeah. neutral, it's great. Oh, but... it's even more exciting when you're in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in some ways. In other ways, it's not good. I was I was watching the Gillingham game uh, last night with my dad on iFollow, and honestly, I was on the edge of my seat for about 30 minutes, my, my just shaking, you know, and your knees, <laughs> your knees just going and you just can't sit still and... Every time they get near the goal, your heart's going. And it's, it was it's all not the corners you. that were getting yeah. near every corner. Yeah. I was just like, Jesus, this is going to be it. We're not going to hold on. But <laughs> again, locks and Craig Immense. were there and it's Immense. unbelievable. Um, yeah, crazy. So what do you think, uh, Max? For the points total, yeah, I, I think 43 is going to be enough because of our goal difference. Uh, uh, 43 is what we're on. Uh, sorry, yeah, there's 50, 53, 53 is what I think. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, 53 will be enough. I, I think because our goal difference is worth a point to us. No one's even close to, I think the nearest you said was Southend on minus eight yeah. and then Gillingham on minus 12. Yeah. I don't think Gillingham are going to get that to zero before the end of the season, if I'm honest. And I don't think we're going to really drop much further below than minus five, minus six. So here's if, a question for both of you. Sorry to cut you off. That's all right. Um, who would you like to see go down? Out of so down there is Wimbledon, Bradford, Rochdale, Oxford, Shrewsbury, Walsall, Southend, Gillingham, Us, Scunny, Accrington, Wickham. After that, I think Plymouth are probably going to be safe because they're on good form. I would have loved Plymouth to go down. That would have been that would have been my number one. I'd I'd love Oxford to go down. They are my absolute prime. Well, then we lose three points there if they go down because six, yeah, six points. That's true. Yeah, three points. Yeah, that's true. But it would be hilarious. (laughs) It would be funny. We'd be the last. I don't know if Wimbledon go down. We'd be the last team from that League Two promotion season to be still up yeah, that's a good point um if, if you're asking me personally i would like wimbledon to go down oh uh, mean why is it mean what a lovely little club wimbledon are yeah but they're a little club aren't they well i mean if we, oh. I, we can provide max's address they've after been the down, for any wimbledon fans who want to come and batter him they've been down there all season if they stay up fair play they deserve to stay up but if if we're talking teams that I'd like to go down, I would say probably Wimbledon, Bradford, Rochdale and Walsall. I want to see Walsall go down. Actually, I would like Shrewsbury to go down. And why do you want Walsall to go down? Because they shut the Saddlers Club and I'm still upset about it. So the Saddlers Club, for those, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but I'm going to go on it. The Saddlers Club was like this big beer hall in their car park that was like the supporters club and it had everything you could want. It had Sky Sports, a really long, well-serviced bar, pie and chips in the corner what more can you want and um we drove up there on what was that boxing day again this year got there got there early i'd insisted we get there early as well how serious you take this i I am raging (laughs) i can feel the rage building up in me now talking about it so i made sure we got there early shut are you sure it just wasn't shut because it was boxing day no it was shut and they shut it permanently because they're in such dire straits they can't afford to open it well, they, they deserve to go anyone. down then, don't they, really? Yeah, I'm raging. I hope they go down <laughs> and potentially out of existence. Well, that is... Uh, I'm going to provide, <laughs> gonna have to provide your address now to uh, the Walsall fans who, for some bizarre reason, may be listening to the pod. Um, oh my goodness let's, let's move on, shall we? We were sort of... We went on a few different yeah. sidetracks there. Um, let's get back on track <laughs> by talking about the Charlton game, which we've sort of already touched on already, but let's go in a little bit more detail in some of the aspects of that game. Um, Charlton have pretty much well no they have carbon copy matched us for form over the last 15 games Uh, we've both won 7 drawn 5 lost 3 over the last 15 games which is quite impressive Um, 
So it's going to be a very even game. I think Charlton's home form is better than their away form, but then our away form is better than our home form. So, you know, it's it's 50-50, really. Clash of the Titans. Well, yeah, the... <laughs> To, to, what's that Mitchell and Webb sketch? I can't remember the name. You know, you know, you know the one I mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. People will know. Um, <laughs> um, Good for radio. So, <laughs> any any changes to the team for this one, or would you stick with a winning team? Stick at it. Yeah. yeah. Although a Gogo is going to be out. I see, yeah. So, so. Gogo will be out. So I, I guess you'll just be playing Sinclair there, mm-hmm. as opposed to Lines. What's that? All? He came in and did well against Gillingham. Yeah, he did okay. To be fair. All right, fine. He was better. Than, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna so put it out there. I think he was better than Ollie Clark. Yeah, Ollie Clark. He's not been in such great form the last three games. I don't think he's had a great impact. Whether that's he's not really suiting the diamond too well. Even in that Blackpool game, I think he made quite a lot of mistakes. Um, he got subbed off after an hour, didn't he? I think he's uh, yeah. he was dreadful. Like that was probably his worst game I've seen this half of the season. Yeah, he, he's not been great in the, the, the couple of games since. He's not really stood out to me and he's made a few mistakes. And uh, I don't know if he's struggling in the diamond, but I'm not sure if I'd play Lines there just yet because Lines isn't having a great season himself. Um, so, Harley, you would play Sinclair, would you? And, and Ollie you, Clark? You haven't got many other options, really, have you? Especially if we're playing quite a narrow formation, yeah. um, which I would continue with. So, in answer to your question, I'd keep it as close to what we've been playing as possible, to be honest. I have uh, I have a proposition for the two of you, a suggestion rather. Um, what are your thoughts on Rodman coming in for Circum into the side, playing at Cam? Because I think he's been unlucky to be out the side, and I think Circum generally has been poor, even though our results have been good. I'm not, I don't know if there's something I'm just not seeing, but I think he's been quite wayward with his touch and what he's trying to do going forwards hasn't really worked. I think maybe Rodman could provide more of an impact in that role. Could Rodman sit deeper? What do you mean not? deeper? You want him as, on well, the side of the diamond? Well, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but all I do recall is that I'm sure that Daryl was playing him at right wing back in pre-season. Yes, he was, yeah. Which was another level to what I'm suggesting <laughs> here. Um, like we just said about Ollie Clark being somewhat out of form, a go-go being out, could Rodman occupy the the right of that? I mm, I prefer him more advanced. I I don't really think he's got that kind of tackling in him. To be honest, yeah. I just I can't see it. Too trim. Isn't there's it? there's a lot yeah, in that trim. role that isn't just attacking. It's defending. It's it's controlling and dictating the play. And mm. I'm not sure if Robin's suited to a deeper role. But he's got a bit of fight in him. He, he has, but squaring up a bit in that Wickham game. Well, I've, was... I've seen Met squaring up to people in town. It doesn't mean he's going to do a good job there, does it? Um, it's a very good point. It's a signal poor. <laughs> although I'm sure he would do a good poor job form. there. Um, Mets is my captain fantastic from uh, the Chaos Cup 2016 Um, so I would very much trust him in that role but uh, no I I think Rodman at Cam is the only position in this formation that's realistic for him to be playing Um, do you not think Circum deserves to be dropped for his form or would you still I agree I think Circum has been poor and I think being dropped would yeah be fair I've got a counter proposition for you okay Tom Nichols at Cam Riley and Johnson Clark Harris up front as a two. Get it done. <laughs> well, I'm there, sold. There is a problem in that though. Don't, that, don't say that Nichols is in that Riley's enough. quite poor. Oh, oh wow! Oh. I thought you were going to say Nichols oh, wow. is quite poor. This is a turnaround. What's this? The bar was very low earlier in the season, so my excitement may have been ill thought out. But I wouldn't be particularly excited by Riley partnering Johnson Clark Harris, especially when Nichols is 
dare I say it, hit some form at the moment. Dare you say it? Not in front of goal, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but you know, in with the ball at his feet, he's done some reasonable things. Mm. He's he's got some assists, he's played he's the got, ball around. He's got ten assists this season, which is more than any other player in our team. Well by comparison to his normal form, he is on fire. Yeah. So that, we should That is a very surprising statistic. <laughs> I was not expecting that. That's in all competitions. That I said, most of his passes have come from that kind of in the whole role, so Although I don't value him dropping back with the engine to put in any tackles. No. Whereas Circum does get back. He does get stuck in. He is he's a good... He's got an engine. He's, he's good. He, he can't really play in a two, and he's sort of struggled in a three a little bit as well. So the diamond does suit him, but he's just not been playing well, even though it's pretty much built for him. I don't think Circum's hit his form, the dizzy heights of last season, don't get me wrong. But what all I do notice from him is... Blackpool was a good example because he had a lot of shots before he ended up scoring, frankly, a joke goal at the yeah. end because they had completely given up. Um, yeah, if that was Nichols, I'd have said it doesn't count. You know, that's <laughs> but um, no, I think I think the fact that he gets those shots away says a lot about him as a player, though, because no one else seems to get as many opportunities as him. So he must be dropping into the right place. And I would probably persist with him just because I know that if he does get back to anywhere near his form last season, he's he's a 12-goal-a-season midfielder, um, or Cam, whatever you want to call him. And he's technically very strong. I, I agree he's not been up to his usual standards, but he's let's try and get it out of him because he's a good player, I think. Yeah, I, I, I team I Circum till the very end. I, I think that's fair. And I'm not saying that I'm giving up on Circum. I'm just saying that Rodman maybe feel aggrieved to have been dropped and deserves oh, deserves a chance at camp to show that he can he can play there. Uh, play him up next to Johnson Clark Harris. <sighs> oh naughty. He's very tall as well. He wins a lot of headers, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. It's tempting. Oh, and it's like, definitely worth thinking field, about. That one. Yeah, there's there's lots to think about there in, in whether whether that merits he merits selection. Um back to Charlton. Um defensively, we've kept three clean sheets in a row. We look strong. Um, and Holmes Dennis has missed the last two, and Kelly's played at left back. So, um, if Holmes Dennis is fit, would you drop Kelly for the Charlton game? They've got some good wingers, and they they play quite well. Um, a lot of their threat comes from out wide. I watched them against Portsmouth the other day, and their wing players is, is pretty much tore Portsmouth apart at times. So, you uh, watched them against Portsmouth. It was on telly. You are such a good scout, man. <laughs> I'm not. I was playing Football Manager, and it was on. So. <laughs> Uh, I actually don't think I was playing. I think I was playing Hollow Knight on Nintendo Switch. I oh. might do a side <laughs> podcast with you guys and give them a video yeah, game yeah. review for that. For the gas uh, gaming podcast, I give it a seven out of ten. It's too difficult for me. Um, <laughs> isn't the Switch like meant to like? Isn't it kids' games? No. Oh, sorry. Sit down. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah. Sorry, Harley's um, Harley's getting anxious because he wants to, answer to watch your the question, game. Um, yes, I would put THD back in for Kelly. Uh, I think Kelly has been pretty solid. But against Gillingham especially, he came up against a decent tricky winger and he got kind of found out, And which is fair enough, he's a young lad and all that. But I think the quality that Charlton have got, I think we do need THD back there, definitely. I would agree. Harley? Oh yeah, you've got to play your star, one of your star players and THD is that. Um, so I'd put him straight back in, yeah. I think also Kelly trying to have us all on with his agent getting in the West Ham <laughs> offer doesn't deserve to be started <laughs> I think just, it's just poor he's done, well. he's done well the last two games I think but yeah. I would start him Dennis um, let's move on to the player spotlight for this week uh, and it can only be one man Johnson Clark Harris has been simply sensational 
um, six goals in his seven league appearances for Rovers, or to put it even even better terms, it's six goals in his five league starts. Uh, those first two appearances were sub appearances, where he was only played about fifteen minutes or so. Um, so six goals in the last five league games, quite phenomenal. Is this a purple patch, or is he really, you know, absolutely a top player at this level, Harley? Best striker in the football league, Mets. how do I follow that Um, I don't really know that much about him from his Coventry days but it seems like his goal scoring form is 10 times better in fact I'm sure I saw a stat that he scored more for us now than he did in all his Coventry appearances he scored something like I think it was 6 in 42 for for Coventry since last January Um, and then 6 in 5 for us so yeah so Fantastic stuff. He's exactly what we what we thought we were getting in Stefan Payne, and I've I've heard that we were in for Johnson Clark Harris at the same time as Payne, and we went for Payne instead, which now seems a, a ridiculous choice. But yeah, he's he's big, he's strong, um, got a hell of a shot on him as we saw last night, an absolute thunder bastard. So he's he's an all round striker. He's exactly what we need. Um, and I can't really... The reason we've been talking so much about partners for him is because no one's really kind of hit the heights that he has. Like, Chikubiak came on last night and kind of was in and out of the game. And for a while, he was our main striker. Whereas Johnson Clark-Harris has come in straight off the bat. Boom. Smashing goals. Smashing defenders. Screaming like a madman every time he scores. Like, I've seen... The, Pulsing the, veins on yeah, the side of his head in all of the photos. Yeah, he's so angry every time he scores. It's great. It's exactly what we've needed, and you said it before in the pod, Tom, that we've just been lacking that nasty, nasty side to the game, um, that that real desire to get on the end of every cross and every every challenge, and abs- and he hits it with such power. The goal last night, it must have been 100 miles an hour. It was an absolute rocket. Have you uh, seen it from the goal cam? No, I haven't. Because the camera angle, the camera angle doesn't actually do it justice. The one they got on the um, the eye follow is like millimetres under the crossbar. It's an unbelievable hit. That's incredible. I need to go and watch that. Um, Harley, is is he a 20-goal-a-season striker? Well, when we signed him, I didn't expect him to be. I didn't think he would be. And more importantly, I didn't really care because I just wanted the nasty side of the game, like you said. Um, I wanted someone that was going to win headers, control the ball, lay it off a bit. But I had concerns about the goal scorer in the team. Turns out he knows how to at the back of the net, which is a very nice surprise and one that I didn't expect at all. Um, I I do think it, this is probably a bit of a purple patch. Um, I don't. I'd be surprised if he was a twenty goal a season striker, but then again, I was very surprised to see him unleash a rocket with his left foot. Uh, he is left footed, granted, but I expected no rockets from him, and he had a hell of a one yesterday. So more of the same, please, and maybe so. I'm probably going to get hounded for saying this because it's no. only been five or six or seven games oh, but, God. He, okay. <laughs> but he reminds me of Ricky Lambert for fuck's sake <laughs> but in, what, um, in what way go on in his, in, in his style of play it's not just that he scores goals it's that he scores from what I've seen all kind of goals he scores with his head um, he scores poachers goals at the far post he scores edge of the area low shots he scores absolute screamers from distance and it's his hold-up play, his flick-ons with his head. He wins absolutely everything in the air. And he just seems to me a, a complete striker. One of those that, um, a bit like Ellis last season, but not 
but even more prolific so far. He just does, he scores all kind of goals. That sort of, you know, complete centre forward. Your Harry Kane, your Ricky Lambert, your, and now hopefully your Johnson Clark Harris. You just, you, it's impossible to defend against him because, you know, he's got so much in his arsenal from what I've seen so far that he really is, that's why he scores so many because he's got all kinds of goals in his locker. And uh, I think that's really what's going for him and that's why it's working for him here because we're putting that faith in him to play him up front and, and give him those chances. Um, and it's really exciting. Well, I think obviously when, when you have a striker like Lambert in the past, I remember when he left, it was I was nearly in tears. Um, we never really replaced him with a good striker until one fateful day, I recall being at the Mem and someone dispatched an absolute rocket. And I was sure that we'd found the new Lambert, our new two one million season, pound striker, two games into the season. His name was Matt Harold. <laughs> um, Matt Harold scored 18 goals that season, I'll have you know. So yeah, he's better than Lambert, really. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I, yeah, I, I get why it's easy to think straight away that he's going to be the talisman. Um, and I do see a lot in Johnson Clark Harris, really, but I I have a horrible feeling that it won't stick at this kind of purple patch for very long. Um, and also, like I said, I, I don't think he's as technical as, as a Lambert was. Lambert was really technical, kind of like could pick out a pass for miles. I don't expect Johnson Clark Harris to be that kind of player. Um, I think he's more of a power player. And Lambert had a bit more finesse, I think. I can't imagine Johnson Clark Harris like chipping the keeper or anything. But Better penalties as well. Oh, yeah, Lambert, better, yeah. better penalties. And to be fair, if he does this every time he misses a penalty, and gets so angry that he goes and scores in every game for four or five games, I could say just give him a penalty and make him blast it over the Absolutely. bar every time. Yeah, it's not the same effect it had on Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> the the Luke James. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is with um, Johnson Clark Harris is even if he comes off, well, when he eventually does end this purple patch, he's still got his hold up play and his winning in the air and all that kind of stuff. So he still is valuable to the team. So, and that's what he did his first couple of games before he really started hitting goal scoring form. I was impressed with him already just on that kind of link up play and holding the ball up at the top end. Cause the amount of times we've lumped it up to nickels and it's come straight back, obviously, it's just depressing. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there that he offers far more to the team. And um, I think we do have to be cautious, like you say, Harley, not to get too excited over him. Here's me calling him the next Ricky Lambert. but um, (laughs) Because it is likely, in all likelihood, a purple patch. And we have to be careful not to put too much pressure on him. And the other thing is, now he's sort of a bit of a known name in League One. Other teams are going to be focusing on him defensively marking him tighter, watching him for the whole game. Um, But hopefully, as we spoke about, as that happened with Ellis, that will open up space for the likes of Circum, dare I say Nichols, to to get some some goals uh, as they have a bit more space to hopefully um, do their thing. Uh, We talked about it a bit earlier, but let's talk about it again anyway. Do we get someone new in the summer to go next to him or are you happy with our three options i want a non-league pace merchant what do you mean by a non-league pace merchant i want someone like the old jack marriott where you just go to like the conference south and you pick out the top goal scorer that's got pace and if he was on fifa he'd have like 95 pace very little technical ability just runs and runs (laughs) and johnson clark harris can just flick it on and this man will just appear in the net he'll run it in because you won't be able to see him sonic the hedgehog basically that sounds good to me. Um, I'm I'm on board with that. Um, Pace merchant. Pace merchant. See, I think 
this is why I suggested Riley because I think he has got the pace. Well, and you've said yourself he's a deadly finisher as well. He is a good finisher. I think he's got a finish in him, but I I would completely disagree with the pace. I think he's slow as really? anything. I think he's quick. He he drives. He's got me little legs. He looks quick. Very but he's got little legs. legs very small legs. <laughs> I measured them. <laughs> yeah, I think he flat. That's harsh to say. It's his first season in the league. To say he flatters to deceivers might be a bit harsh for me, but um, I do agree. I don't think he's got great pace, um, but he's got potential, and I think it would be harsh to rule him out. Um, let's see how he does in pre-season, because often you see in pre-season, after someone's had a summer off, if they're really ready to gear up for a new season. I think Ellis, we saw Ellis in pre-season last year, and he was... He was on fire, wasn't you could sort of tell before the season started that he was gonna have a good season. So I think pre season may be a good opportunity for Riley to show that he can still be involved with the first team. Um otherwise I might look to loan him out and get someone else in, like you say, Harley from non league. Um Well Tom, your Kubiak's gonna go back anyway. Would you sign your Kubiak? It's a tricky one. I, um, I think he's got ability and he's still young. Yeah. How young is he? I don't know, to be fair. I'll, I'll Wikipedia it now. I'll, hang on, hang on. Well, considering he's on loan, he's going to be early 20s tops, isn't he, really? I he's d- 22. Yeah, so if, if he was 20, I'd say, yeah, it's amazing what two years different. He is a, against Sunderland away in particular, he was really good. And also, I, some Portsmouth fans I know say he was deadly. Uh, not deadly, it's a poor description, but he was good against Portsmouth away as Oxford well. Oxford away, he was unbelievable. Yeah, so there we go. I mean, he's had he's shown something, right? He's shown more than you'd expect a lot of the 22-year-olds in our academy to have shown. Yeah. No offence to them, um, but in the past. So he'd probably be worth a punt, but you would want to lose a Riley at that point, I yeah. think. Yeah. Or controversially a Nichols. Yeah, I mean, I spoke about this to you guys before we started recording, and I've always been a big fan of Nichols, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. I bang on about him every week about how he can be good, but I'm starting to think that, you know, I don't know if he's out of contract this summer or not, but I think it's next summer, isn't it? Um, I would maybe let him go. Well, yeah, like Harley said earlier, if he seems to have picked up a bit of form, and this if this is him in form, then... Is it worth him? Is it worth... You're sacrificing goals pretty yeah. much, aren't you, by not playing someone there who can score, Yeah, uh, you know, 10, 15 goals a season. Mind you, is he playing a part in Johnson, Clark, Harris banging him in? It's I don't know. Say, can't it's say, really can you, really? Yeah. So let's, we'll see if, if they continue. If he keeps banging him in for the rest of the season, Christ, I'll give Nichols a three-year deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard, hard to say for sure. Um, so... Clark Harris, he's on a, I would assume, a three and a half year deal, would you say? Because it's a deal that uh, was described as setting him up for life. It's obviously a big wage. I think I two think and a half? more likely a two and a half. I don't, I can't see us going for a three and a half year deal. Well, it, it may be if Coughlin really and truly believes in him. I, but then again, I'm not sure the board would back anything because I'm not sure they fully believed in Coughlin at that point. So to yeah. give, to allow him to give anyone a three and a half year deal would be pretty barking mad frankly um but it'd be nice to be nearer a three-year than usual given that he's doing well and yeah. usually we lose all of our players for like 20p yeah <laughs> that was sort of what i was going to talk about was <laughs> if, if he does score something near 20 goals next season and we're up in the playoffs sort of area of where we want to be um what's his market worth you, what do you guys think? Over over a million, over two million, over three million? 
First of all, there's a while to go before this happens. But yeah, yeah. I'd say if he was if he's a 20 goal season striker in League One, then you'd you'd be expecting at least two million pounds. That's pretty cheap, in fact. Well, yeah, um, Jack Marriott went for eight million to to um, Derby, but he was on a I think he was on a slightly longer deal, and he's only 22, whereas Clark Harris is 24. Rather keep him and try and progress. We can't be losing. Yeah, obviously. Our players I, so I'm just talking. Hope, I'm just saying, like realistically, if he does score twenty, you can't expect to keep him uh, yeah. beyond that summer. Um, but it would be nice to finally, if we do develop a player and him turn into a championship standard player, to actually get into the, the championship. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to yeah. say to, for us to get into the championship. I was going to say us to get a nice fee for him. Yeah, but um, either yeah, or. either either would be nice. Um, that about wraps it up for this week. Unless you guys have anything else to add. Harley? Um, no. Out the gas. <laughs> that, makes a ch- that, that makes a pleasant change for once, doesn't it? Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do feel free to share it on any social media platforms that you're on. Um, until next time, uh, up the gas. Up the up gas. gas. Bristol Rovers fans podcast.